to the heavy hole. I'm Tom. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. I'm Justin. Hey guys. Hello. Hello. Hello, Justin. What's going on? Oh, tonight we got a treat for you. Yes. Not just you, Justin, but everyone. Yeah. All the listeners. Everyone. A a treat for the whole world tonight. That's right. Tonight our guest is calling in in just a few minutes. It's none other than legendary death metal vocalist Matty Way. You might know him from his work in Disgorge uh, from California, Cinerary, Liturgy AD, Pathology, or Abominable Putridity. Ooh, Matty! Yeah, so uh, we're, we're, we're holding tight. He's also he's done guest appearances on lots of people's albums. He's been around the scene for a while. And did you know this man is also a filmmaker? I did, and yeah. I am excited yeah. to pick his brain a little bit. That's because I told you. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah, yeah. All transparency here, uh, Will told me, and I did check out. I was show. asking the listeners if they knew <laughs> he was oh, a film. All right, it's all good. Be watching, be thinking. <laughs> all right, so yeah. we're waiting for Maddie to call in, man. Hello. Hey guys, it's Maddie. Maddie, way, how are you, brother? This is Will. Uh, good, Will. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's gla- it's uh, it's great to hear you, man. And um, just a quick introduction. This is the voice of Justin. What's going on, bud? Hey, Justin. Good to meet you, sir. Likewise. And that's Tom over there. Hey, Maddie. Thanks for calling hey, in, man. Yeah, good to meet you, too, sir. Absolutely. My pleasure's mine, too, guys. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm psyched. Oh, right on, bud. Yeah, man, we're we're uh, we're really excited. Um, you know, we just gave uh, a, a meaty intro uh, to the listeners before you called in, talking about uh, some of the different bands you've been involved in and so on. And we just want to um j- just to cut to the chase uh, and and get right into it. I just wanted to ask you: Are you originally from California? Yeah, yes, sir. I was born in uh, Los Angeles County. Okay, you grew up in L.A. No, I grew up in San Diego, but was born in L.A. Oh, okay, man. And uh, are you from, like, yeah. a particularly musical or creative family? No, to be, no, not at all, actually. I'm thinking back right now. No, no, zero, actually. Oh, okay, I, I just find that interesting, because there's a lot of facets to your, your creative uh, personality. Um, and, like, in, how about, like, in school, is there any instrument or anything like that that you pick up at first? Uh, when I was in school, I played, like, I mean, the very first thing I ever picked up when I was really, really young was trumpet, but, you know, I quit that really shortly after, and then, you know, now that I'm older, I, you know, I can do, uh, I have guitar, bass, and obviously a ton of synths and stuff like that, so it's kind of what I'm into now. Yeah, and I wanted to talk uh, about all that stuff a little bit later, uh, so when, okay. so like, all right, so when does the fascination with music come in, and is it rock and heavy metal at first? Yeah, it was. You know what? Back when I was, wow, so like some of the first cassettes that I remember getting as a kid was 1984, Shout at the Devil. What else, man? I had so many of the old, like the really, really, really old. Oh, Black Sabbath, of course. Yes. Um, Yeah, so all that kind of like old stuff. And it was was just, you know, whatever I would see, for example, back then, I guess what was big was seeing it on TV. And then obviously, you know, saving up the money and then going to grab it to bring it home. Yeah, and uh, at this time, I mean, I I assume with some of the albums you mentioned, we're talking about kind of like the satanic panic period in the 80s of heavy metal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah, that's that's an excellent way yeah, to describe it. There's nothing more <laughs> Satan than David Lee Roth. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, right. <laughs> people, people were panicking, man. What was your like your family's reaction to bring that stuff home? Were they all cool with that stuff, or did you uh, did you have to kind of persuade? No, I didn't at all. Um, so yeah, no, actually, nobody really said anything even back then. So it was. 
with the music, maybe they just, you know, when I think back about my mom or my stepdad or something, maybe they just took it as just that, but they never said nothing to me about it ever. Hmm. It's great. Shout out to cool parents, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when you're just, or not, or just like not paying attention. So I mean, yeah, <laughs> either way, yeah, either man. way, the, the end result is the same and it's rad. So we're <laughs> so either way. <laughs> man, I don't think my mom realized I was listening to, uh, to disgorge, uh, demos and stuff like that when I was a kid, man. <laughs> um, Oh God, help us all. Yeah. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey mom, I went out to Queens last night and I saw a guy with an executioner's mask on growling for five minutes before the set. <laughs> Yeah, I, oh wow! So you're that we, we have to get into that later whenever you want to. But oh, man, I, I, not got, a lot of I, people, I got notes, yeah. brother. Yeah, just, gotcha. Just like I, gotcha. just like I told okay. Frank Greeny, I got notes like the CIA right now, man. I'm just oh, I got yeah. you. Okay, I, I'm just trying to get the preliminary uh, stuff out, you know, out of the way, like I like I do. Um, so all right, so yes, sir. So uh, you're growing up. You're a teenager. Uh, you know, you're, you're into like rock and heavy metal. When do you first be- become aware of like really extreme metal and and like the kind of underground scene and stuff like that, man? So it was uh, basically one of my buddies in high school. He played in a thrash metal band um, as a guitar player, and he was in a band called Ominous Desolator. This was 1988. And uh, so that band, I started hearing, you know, like forbidden and violence and different stuff like that. And I really, really got into that. And then just shortly after that, so it wasn't even a, wasn't even a full school year. Then we started hearing like the death, and then the napalm death and that kind of stuff, the really extreme. And I just, yeah, I lost my mind at that point. <laughs> yeah, and, and being from California, because I grew up on the East Coast, and I'm obviously from a, a, a little bit later on. Growing up in that era in California, how big of an impact did Possessed have on you? Oh, Seven Church, it's like, yeah, one of the top ten of all time. Now, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that that album's just the aura and the energy on that album. That's what makes it special. You're never like, you could never capture anything like that again. It's, it's so special. Yeah. That West coast was just bubbling with extreme. Fucking yeah. Metal music, yeah. I yeah. And then of course you have autopsy, you know, uh, you know, shortly after, um, uh, the first death album, uh, Chris reefer goes back and, and, you know, does autopsy and all that. Um, yeah. And I, that's another, yeah, that's another band. I love man. What a, what a band that paints, amazing visuals with their music i think mm-hmm. they're very very good at that that's really good that and they're, they just they, they have that like you know artistic style where you you, you see kind of like what, what carcass did in my opinion in the early years where you see and feel what they're playing by those notes yeah yeah and you know you brought up carcass um which leads me to my next question and i just at this point i want to quickly shout out the demigod ascendancy youtube channel and the phantasm podcast both of which i referenced uh while researching for this interview they both interviewed you previously um and uh i so i I know from then obviously uh, that that bill steer of carcass was a big vocal influence for you huge like one of the biggest like yeah yeah one of the biggest if not the biggest and when, when i heard carcass so keep in mind and i'm not saying nobody didn't do this but as far as i knew when 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 i started doing these vocals when i heard carcass it was like the two distinct sounds and i didn't really hear anybody else doing that so i you know i thought for a second well what if i did two different distinct sounds but then i just did low and then lower so i totally <laughs> took carcasses i totally ripped off carcasses basically vocal like what they did and then just did them in the two lower style and then you know as the years go you know i've developed like 
probably about seven of them now. But yeah, but anyway, that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And um, and also, I, I did hear you reference Joe Thassic, uh Rest in peace, the original singer of Broken Hope, right? Oh, uh, one of one of my all time favorites, and one of the most influential, <laughs> you know, people on me and my voice, and yeah, and just who I thought was just, you know, I mean, it's still who I think is not of this world. He is, a, he is a beast like no other. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a fan of Broken Hope's whole catalog, man. It took me a little while to warm up to Damien. Um, he does a phenomenal job. Uh, he's a beast, uh, especially live. But just uh, I was such a huge Joe Thassic fan. You know, it took a little while to come back from that and, and, and get on that uh, 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 Broken Hope train again, man. But And they're, even their, the, um, the, the, the last few albums they did with Joe Thassic, I felt like the production got so clean on the music that you could hear every little gurgle and crack and crisp of his voice so good, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that the, the very first two, uh, Swamp and Gore and then Bowels of Rapunzel, I mean, those two, like, albums, those are, to me, just for me anyway, those are all time. Yeah, Bowels is one of my favorite albums, man. I actually used to wear... So and, good. Uh, yeah, I, I used to have the, the cover of Bowels from a t-shirt cut off on a denim jacket in high school. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was fun, man. Yeah, I, I was a lot more metal uh, when I was a teenager, trust me. <laughs> um, that's so cool. I wish I was into that when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that's, that's all Adam Rotella right there, man. Um, shout out to Adam. But so, do you have any bands uh, before the band Haunted? Um, so the band Haunted was called Silent Ovation, but it's the same band, all the same members, so mm -hmm. that would be it. And then, no, I actually take that back. So even before that, my, my buddy that I had told you before that kind of got me into this extreme stuff that was playing guitar in that thrash band, we actually had a band called Eviscerate where we had, I think we only did two songs. So, but that, that would have been, I guess, my first where you would call it structured, where we went to practice and wrote, you know, songs, so... Okay, and, and I know uh, Haunted, did you guys opened up for Deicide at one point? Yeah, we opened up for Deicide, and I believe, don't quote me on this, but I, I think this is correct, is 1991 uh, Halloween, is I believe was the date that they were in San Diego, and it was a place called the Soma. And uh, yeah, we opened that show. Soma's great. Yeah, I've been out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we played with Soma, like we opened for, so at the Soma, we played with, I mean, Immolation, um, unleashed. I mean, so many graves, so many great bands that we opened for. It was like that was a real uh, hub for for us in San Diego and Southern California to see the, you know, the more extreme stuff. Like without that, I don't know if we would have got to see it. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of what people talk about. There was a club called the Roxy uh, here in Huntington, New York, where we actually all all live. Um, that closed down shortly before I got into the scene, but it sounds like the same vibe. Just in that that golden era of death metal in the early '90s, every band that was yeah. touring, yeah, came through. Right, and, we're just yeah, so like so only certain like owners were like and just embraced it. Like you know, most people kind of stuck their nose up to it or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, some some of them embraced it, so it was cool. Well, so I wanted to ask you about that that local early scene that you were involved in, man. Is there anybody from your um your old old early bands uh, that went on to be in other bands we might know of, or anything like that? Or were you, was there anybody that you were friends with in the in the scene when you were younger that that we might recognize or anything like that? So, like outside of like the Discorges and all that, like so other bands that I haven't yeah. or yeah, like, like pre, that, pre Discorge, yeah, um, uh, pre Discorge, pre Discorge like, stuff. What was the scene like? Just you know, what what were you doing? Were you going to shows a lot? Where you know, did you have to travel a lot? Were you hanging out with? Your... But we would so we would like skip back and forth. I would, I would say maybe 
like once each a month that was either a show in San Diego, it seemed, and then one in LA. So we were, we were really good buddies with the guys in sepsism, like the early disgorge even days. So we yes. would go out there a lot yeah. for, to hang out with those guys and then to play with them a lot at like, just even like, like keg parties. Um, but with haunted, I'm trying to think, no, there was a couple, there was this one, oh man, I, I didn't even <laughs> look for their demo. There was this one band, and these guys were all, like, surfers from, like, I think they were from Huntington Beach, if I remember right, but it was a band called Emesis, and I remember their vo I, I even, like, used that as a pathology, a title for a pathology song, that's where I got that from, but they were a, just a super, super sick band from, like, the old, like, you know, the old school, like, Southern California days. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned sepsism, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, good good friends of mine. Yeah, good, like okay. all such great great guys and great uh, man. Talk about great, just great and fucking musical writers. Wow, I mean they, they they kill it. Absolutely, I remember in the late nineties, um, their their I think their demo and their full length CD, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe Adam got it or something, and I got a dub of it. But I remember having a dub of their demo or something for, uh, for a while back in the 90s. I'm not sure what happened to the tape, but I, I definitely remember that band being on our radar. My local crew of friends out here, man. They were kind of like that late 90s. I associated them a little bit with the, the Corpse Gristle, like Texas movement, you know, the devourment movement that time period. Yeah, and they were like, so we were even playing with them back in, I think. So when I first joined the Scourge, so we recorded the one tape in 94 and then the other tape in 95. So it must have been 93, mm -hmm. if I, I think, when I first met them and we played with them. Yeah, they were they were one of the only... One thing I can for sure tell you is back in that time period and from the whole L.A. and San Diego, so you're talking a huge chunk of Southern California, we were two of the only bands doing the really, really low stuff. Uh, yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, cause like you just said, there wasn't a lot of people doing your style of vocals and even the more brutal, like technical style of death metal. Um, what was, was there like a pushback even within the death metal scene to some of that stuff? Yeah. You know what? I would say that up until like 1998, I would say like, if I guess 98 or 99, but I would literally say that was the year when reviews and people stopped telling me that I was. <laughs> The, the worst like everybody was like oh the for example the scorch like oh the music is good but the vocalist is the worst like what are you guys even doing with that guy My so that, that probably lasted till about 98 uh, and then obviously it's been you know rad since then though so i can't <laughs> complain <laughs> yeah, the, the guttural vocals have gained a lot more acceptance man that's, that's they that's have great. right i mean it's it's a it's, it's a crazy thing to think about why was everybody so upset about them before and it's you know you try to explain to them, hey it's just it's it's, it's an instrument. Don't, don't look at it as, you know, I mean, I could ask you right now, what's your favorite song? And you tell me your favorite song. And it's like, you probably couldn't recite 20% of the lyrics from that song. What is he so saying? why are you so worried about every little word that's said by a death metal band? Doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. They, they, well, you know, death death metal's not supposed to make sense to everybody, man. I guess. Um, I guess no, know. for sure. That's what makes it special, though. That's what makes it yeah. special. Sometimes I I want to avoid reading lyrics. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. something is in my heart. And, Agreed. You know, it well, just uh, I yeah. Maybe I just want to remember it a certain way. <clears throat> Call me old fashioned. Right. <laughs> well, that's that's, right. that's something to be said. I did I did look into some of your lyrics, and I have a few questions about that for later on. But before sure. before okay. we leave this um this old school era. Um, I just want okay. to talk about, I, I, I believe when you met Disgorge, it was, you were like loaning them a rehearsal space or you were opening up a space for them to practice at or something. And you ended up being able to perform the demo, like all the lyrics and vocals. 
Yes. So yeah, that's a, so I was in Haunted, the Haunted band that we had talked about before. So I was literally just in that band and had heard that these guys were here. So I had already had, so the Cognitive Lust Mutilation demo, I already owned that for probably, before they got there, probably for a couple months. And it quickly kind of became my favorite demo. I was just, I mean, I actually wore that cassette out. <laughs> and uh, and then hearing, it was, it was such a weird, you know, even thinking back on it now, it was such a weird thing, like hearing that they were in town, you know, and like, it was just, and the guys all, no, I'll take you away. Like, we'll, we'll hang out. Like, like right now, they want to come see your, they saw you guys open for the DSI show, so they already know who you guys are, and they want to hang out. So anyway, we brought them to the room and whatnot, and uh, it was just me and I think one of the other guys in Haunted, and they didn't have the bass, Brian, who's their bass player and vocalist at the time, he, he wasn't there. And so, you know, I said, hey, let me, uh, let me do one of the songs on the demo. And they're like, which one can you do? And I said, I can do all of them. <laughs> I said, just play them all like in a row, because that's how I listen to them. You know, you just get that like, uh, well, anyway, I am like a super creature habit where I just listen to, you know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and just pounding in hypnotically. And uh, so I said, just play them in a row. And, uh, yeah, so they did. And then right after that, they're like, dude, you want to sing in the band? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And you, you leave, uh, you leave haunted then at that point to focus full time on Discord. I did. Cause yeah, Discord was so much more of the style that I wanted to do. Cause it was that super, I had never heard it before. Haunted was very influenced by the old, like the Scandinavian scene. So like old entombed and nihilist, um, yeah. even uh, demigod from Finland, we were super influenced by the old Swedish and Finnish death metal. And then Discourage, when I had heard them, and then obviously, you know, I was super into Cannibal and Butchered and all the stuff that was out at the same time, but I, you know, when I heard Discourage, it's like, this, like, it's, this is so intense. This is like, just, it's just what spoke to me, I guess, is all I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, and just one more haunted question before we get into Discourage territory. Uh, I just wanted to sure. check. I know you mentioned in previous interviews I've seen you do that um, the haunted material is kind of lost. No one has a copy of it. Uh, it's not available digitally. Is that still the case? Nothing's turned up or anything? Yeah, no, nothing. And I actually, so I talked to one of our old bass players, and he says literally has VHS tapes of us playing at the Soma in his garage and I'm like dude I do video work for a living please send those to me I'll convert them digitally I'll pay for it I'll send them right back to you and yeah so I'm still waiting on okay. those tapes so, yeah I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> and that's there's... our only hope it seems uh, well you guys must have made tapes and passed them out right we for sure did we actually recorded so I recorded two demos with them so, and nobody, like, what's weird is nobody in the band has it. Obviously, I don't have it, so I, you know, I can't point fingers. I don't have it either. I don't have anything that I do, almost. But, um, yeah, it's weird. Like, so it's just, it's like, what, did, did we not, like, am I, am I just dreaming this? Did we not, like, make these demos? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, uh, my hope is that there's some old-school tape trader out there that just has it in a box somewhere and is eventually going to put it on YouTube or whatever, and, and the world can share it, and maybe you'll get a proper re-release and an MDF reunion set in the whole the whole bag like all the, the old school demo bands are getting man but um uh, moving forward into Discord now uh, I understand that you you didn't write lyrics for Discord is that uh, true? No no all the Discord songs have lyrics they no, didn't no. maybe have when the songs 
when the songs were, say, when we were first doing the song, let's say we were in the practice room and let's say we had a minute and a half of a two and a half minute song, they didn't have lyrics then, but they always had lyrics when they were recording. Okay, no, well, that's that's not what I meant, but I'm glad you clarified that oh, for, for some people. Gotcha. Okay. For people who aren't familiar with the vocal style, that is a common question, though, because they think you're not saying anything. You did, in fact, have lyrics for Discords, but my question was you, Maddie Way, were not the lyricist of Discords. Somebody else was writing the oh, lyrics, right? I'm I'm sorry, sir. No, I'm sorry, sir. Yeah, no, you are right. I didn't write any of that. So that was all Ricky. So back in the old days before, so this was when the original lineup, so when it was Ricky and Tony, obviously, and myself. So that would have been Ricky wrote all the lyrics then. And then when Diego and Ben got in the band, then it would have been Ricky and Ben that wrote the lyrics. So that's the combo. So basically, Ricky and then Ricky and Ben. Okay, it was two different eras for me. And I'm just curious, was that were you like, um, were you not comfortable writing like gore lyrics, or was it was what was the reason for that? Yeah, I guess you know, like then I didn't think about it like that, but now that you said that, like not comfortable, yeah, I for sure wasn't comfortable. That's why, I'm, like, yeah, I didn't. It's just not me. It's not what I want to write about. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Wow. And um, so, so you kind of like, uh, I, I guess you didn't realize it at that point, but in self-reflection over the years, you realized that that's kind of where you were coming from with that? No, I didn't, you know, because, you know, we were all just such good friends, and I, I, I really didn't care. Like, I didn't even think about the lyric content as much, because even more so back then than nowadays, it was even more of the, like, I treated the vocals like, I guess, more of the instrument style, and then... Yeah, anyway, we'll, and we'll get into the other stuff later, but that's what I treated it as. Okay, so. cool. Uh, fair enough. And now, the flip of that, though, is that you did at some point write guitar riffs for Discords, right? Yeah, I wrote tons of stuff on the Cranial Impalement. So I wrote, yeah, so for example... So there's eight songs on there. They had two of them before I came. So I would say of the other six songs that were written on there that... Came, I have I have riffs and multiple riffs in four songs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, most people don't see uh, a vocalist doing guitar work. Uh, not to say, uh, obviously, it's not a long shot because you are involved with the music, but uh, you, you don't really think of that as someone listening to it. You know, it's uh, always this orchestrated unit, and uh, that's pretty interesting to find out that someone who is uh, responsible for a distinct vocal style is also taking hand in uh, this technical death metal uh, guitar writer. Yeah, but you know what I always did. So I mean, I, I have to be you know totally you know clean here. <laughs> I, I was the one that slowed it down and, and played the, the the slow stuff the whole time, where I could uh, where in my opinion it's like what that's what fit my voice. I, I like I always was dialing it down like multiple notches. <laughs> so, but it brings dynamics. Yeah, no, that's it, that. It, you know, it worked. It, it definitely worked. It, it absolutely does because think about this like uh, you, you could even like put it in a movie context like scary movies aren't scary if they're scary let's say for the 90 minute duration of the film but if you have 60 minutes that are like really really you know telling a narrative and then you've got the other 30 minutes that are really really scary that's what makes it good it's the same thing in music so if you've got the same thing if you've got 60% that is your style and it's just where you love to be and it's where you dwell in but then you've got the other 40% that completely messes with your timing mind that's how it's going to become memorable 
Wow. It's dynamics. Yeah. You know, it's the too much of a good thing Absolutely. is a bad thing kind of mentality. Absolutely, and, yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree with that more. So do you write any of the material on She Lay Gutted? Well, so a lot of the, well, not a lot, but a couple of those songs were older, so I, I did write a couple of the riffs on She Lay okay. Gutted, but not nearly as many as the Cranial CD. So She Lay Gutted, yeah, you know what? I mean, I, there, there might not be any of mine if I think about it. I'm trying to think of the old songs that we took, but the old riffs that we took that we changed to those were all from the Cognitive demo. So those Tony would have wrote, so for sure I did it. Yeah. Okay, and um, the... Now, now I want. We did like uh, talk about the Bloodletting North America tour, uh, which was, I believe, the year two thousand. That sounds right. Either ninety nine or two thousand. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I always remember because the summer that I went, I went to Milwaukee Metal Fest two thousand, and that was the summer I graduated high school. Um, and that year, I happened to oh, okay. see you front Disgorge for the Bloodletting North America tour um, in in Jackson Heights, Queens, at Castle Heights. Uh, and then uh, shortly oh, after, I remember that show. Yeah, I and then I saw you guys shortly show. after at Milwaukee Metal Fest uh, too. That year, and I remember yeah. that show too. Actually, those are two of my favorite shows too. Ironically, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> so, well, let's let's talk about it. I mean, uh, what 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 do you remember about uh, Castle Heights, man? The, the energy was just something different. Coming off playing, you know, you're just you know you're doing your deal and you're playing, you know, six seven nights a week, whatever. But I remembered it was so much different there. It was <laughs> yeah. so much different. There was just a, there was an intensity and there was a, a participation, I guess, with the audience. Absolutely. It didn't exist maybe on the couple shows yes. before it. Yeah. Man, what's Jackson Heights yeah. death metal shows like? That sounds fucking Well, that, well, great. I've, I'm, I've I'm referenced, that. I've referenced Castle Heights before on, on the uh, podcast. Yeah. It's, um, it was basically almost the St. Vitus of the late nineties, just in the sense it was a very small bar, uh, set up in a similar um, architecture or whatever, the back room and then the front room with the bar, and all of the touring okay. death metal bands would come through. Like, this was where you would see Discord, this is where you'd see Broken Hope, this is where you'd see Cryptopsy, Waco Jesus. I saw all these bands. Dehumanize opened up quite. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dehumanize played that show. That, uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, all those bands that you just mentioned, like that, what a, what, I mean, just, it brings you back to it's like, what a great time that was. Oh, yeah, for Brutal so Death amazing. Metal. Well, yeah, that so was, amazing. That was yeah. The, the well, that's that's kind of when Unique Leader, United Guttural, that whole wave of brutal death metal. I guess kind of like you said, like like when people started catching up to the guttural style and all that. And I think on in New York, uh, I remember. For, well, I remember in, in Castle Heights, people were full on ready for the brutal guttural death metal, and Discord just came along. They at were the perfect moment. You know what I mean? So they were. Uh, absolutely they were they were so down I remember that that was such that was one of the funnest shows like honestly <laughs> when I think back on shows that I did on that tour that was one of the funnest if not the funnest where I would put that at number one wow that's awesome because I was there <laughs> that's funny yeah man. no honestly and that's, that's not a joke I actually yeah so if I think my two favorite shows were the ones that you were at ironically the <laughs> New York Castle Heights and the Milwaukee Metal Fest and if I only wow. had to do one it would be for sure the Castle Heights well, you know, I'm glad I uh, did that for you, you know. <laughs> At age, age, God, that show was so 18. fun. <laughs> yes. Well, well jumping around like a maniac. Well, one part of that show that left a huge impression on me, and I've spoke about it before, is you wearing the executioner's mask and um, uh, giving kind of like uh, almost a speech in the guttural voice before the set. Do you want to talk about that and the inception of it and what, what you were saying and all that? 
Yeah, so that's the that's the deal that's at the end of Revelations 18 on She Lay Gutted that goes mm-hmm. into the song She Lay Gutted. So we did that live, and I actually did it live. That wasn't... Uh, I've been accused of it a lot of times before. They said, oh, the reason he's wearing the mask is he's not doing it live, but that's not true. I mean, that's, I mean, I did it live. There's no, and there's no effects. I don't, I don't use effects. I mean, literally the only thing I put on my voice live, literally the thing I go to the sound guy said, other than volume, dude, just make sure you put some reverb on there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I, I just, yeah, that's all that I say. But anyway, back then it was always like, Oh, he, you know, he's wearing the mask cause he's not really doing the intro. They're playing it from the, you know, from like the soundboard, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. Just, you just do what you do, and it's like, you know, I know it's not true, so I don't care. Well, if, if you weren't trying to poke holes in it, or in, in like a conspiracy theorist or something, it was very Yeah, effective. right? Yeah, I, I, okay, I enjoyed yeah, it. Okay, yeah, right. And I, I, you know, I, was, I remember standing there watching you do it, so it's kind of weird that somebody would think that. They must have been standing all the way in the back. They were afraid of the mosh pit. But, um, we, yeah, that, that's probably exactly who it was. And we heard it all tour, so it wasn't even like a city thing. It was literally, we heard it all tour, like, oh, he re- wears the mask because he's just faking the, you know, faking the intro. It's like, okay, why would I fake the intro? That makes no sense. I did it on the, the, the album. I mean, what? Yeah. Well, I, I <laughs> think. matter to me. I mean, yeah. Gu- guttural vocals that don't, you know, like, I, I think in that era, there was still some, some holdovers, people that weren't holdouts, people that weren't ready for it, you know, so maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it could be. Absolutely. But, but be. Uh, I mean, on that note, like we said, that was kind of the, the era. Uh, the, the late 90s, early 2000s, where the guttural vocals and the brutal stuff was really taken over. So you guys play New York. That goes over great. And then you go out to, um, you end up in Milwaukee. That Milwaukee Metal Fest 2000 was crazy, man. It was in a huge place. Yeah, that was, wow, that was that was an insane thing. I mean, we were, yeah, they had us on the cover of that magazine that year. That was a, I think back on that now, and that's a straight whirlwind. I, I wish I would have, you know, pumped the brakes back then and, like, stopped to enjoy it, but, you know what, I, I didn't, and that's obviously on me, but terrible. It's hard when you're in the moment. It, yeah, I guess, right, yeah, and just too young, I even try to, like, blame it on my age, but, I mean, I can't get away with that forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in my 30s, and I still look at artificial brain tours from the last few years and think, you know, what, you know, what, all the all the things I missed and things like that, but it's a whirlwind sometimes when you're on tour and people don't realize you have a lot of hours to to, to cover and a lot of miles to cover before the next show and things like that. So sometimes you're just try, right. trying to get to the next show and and keep yourself uh, you know ready to play a show. So you can't always can't always stop and take a picture of the Eiffel Tower or what have you. you, you know gotta what put I mean? it in the gas tank, you know, and all those good feelings right in the gas tank. Yeah, yeah. Get to the next show. Right. Yeah. Very true. One thing that I'll never forget about touring is. You're right, uh, and then I just never heard really anybody talk about it. But when you're touring, you're like literally being hypnotized by the road and by a highway, and you're expected to get off that and then go perform. It's not a, you know, it's not an easy thing to do every night when you're just you're you're lulled into this just you know this road and this countryside that's beautiful, and then you got to go be extreme for a half hour. You're like, okay, well, wow, I just I literally it was just eight hours right now with being hypnotized by this road and the scenery, yeah. and then. Now I got to go be extreme for thirty minutes. Like, oof, this is a contrast here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it does a lot of psychological uh, tricks to you as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It does. And, it does. It absolutely does. On that note, um, I, I heard you say in a previous interview that you left Disgorge because you weren't able to commit to the touring. Was that because I know and, yeah. and that Bloodletting North America tour? We spoke with Joe Gordon of Mortal Decay on a prior episode. 
And uh, he told us about it. it was like six weeks long, right? Which is a big stretch. Yeah, shoot. Yeah, I actually still have my little laminate from that. Yeah, it was huge. We literally played, I think it was like almost 50 shows in like, and then two more nights. So let's say it was for easy math. Let's say it was 50 shows with 52 nights. It was something crazy. Like we only had a couple nights off. Wow. It was crazy, crazy. That's underground. And you think after that experience, that's why you said to the guys, look, I can't do this, you know, a lot more and stuff like that? Nothing to do with the tour. It was to do with being able to support myself financially because I don't have family support. So like mm -hmm. living in San Diego without family support, I just couldn't do it. I just didn't want to sleep on people's couches anymore and any of that kind of stuff. And it just got really old. And, you know, coming back from tour and it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just, yeah, this is like, Every time I leave and then I come back, I'm setting myself back literally, you know, a year or two at a time. Yeah, I, I know the feeling about that. Uh, you know, so there's, there's been times where I've, uh, I, I, I've put school off and, I, you know, I've, I've, I, in my, right. years ago, I quit, I quit jobs once or twice to go on tour, things like that. It's, yeah, it's, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's tough, man. So when you leave Discord, you stay in California? So I, yes. Yes, sir. Okay, and is that where Incestuous, uh, the band Incestuous, eventually forms? Um, no, so they were, you know, they, they had the CD and were, were doing it without me. We were actually buddies with them. We stayed, so when we were on that tour, um, we stayed at Danny's house, the guitar player from Incestuous, and Derek's house, the drummer from Incestuous and Gorgasm. So we stayed at these guys' place, and, you know, they were, you know, super, super good to us. And then that's kind of where I met them, and then... Uh, Danny and I always just the guitar player always had like a common ground with a, a vision of something different, and then that's when we talked and, uh, and, went, and went into the cinerary direction. Okay, so so are you actually on an incestuous recording? Is is there something like that? Because I thought no. Oh, okay, nope. all right. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Not at all. No. So when we did like so, and it was it wasn't even something that I was like really like involved with. They they voted as a band kind of. I even think probably a lot of it happened even before I got there, but they were like, we just, we want to change the name because it's going to be a completely different sound. We're going to tune differently. Our singer sings differently. Like, let's just not use the same name. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I prefer Cinerary over Incestuous, you know. Incestuous is very extreme. You know, yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> for sure. Good, uh, and I'm not going to talk about any of that. Like when I just so Cinerary is a band that I actually wrote, obviously a lot of the lyrics to, and so when when I have the the control over that kind of stuff, I'm not going to write about like you know that kind of stuff. I'm going to write about you know just just different something that's more you know in tune with 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 what I'm into, whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be better course. for like a middle of the country kind of band or like Spanish royalty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, for for Cinerary now, speaking of writing, not just lyrics, you also wrote uh, guitar riffs for Cinerary or songs? or Yeah, tons. So I wrote probably, wow, so for Cinerary, it was the highest percentage that I've ever been a part of. I would say I probably, I mean, there's, so Danny wrote two of those by himself. So I would say a close percentage, to say I wrote 30% of the Cinerary guitar riffs. But also, keep in mind, too, with that, Danny is such an amazing guitarist. So he's going to take something that I do. So, for example, from the first song, like the gun, 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 gun. And then he throws a, in it, you know, uh -huh. like these crazy artificial harmonics in it. Yeah, so he, 
would take mine and even obviously make them sound way better than I could play them. <laughs> and and uh, that that band was also with Jamie Bailey, who was of Brodekin. Yeah, yeah, we're actually hopefully we're trying right now. Danny has got a lot of health stuff going on, but we're trying. We've got material for a full CD right now. We're trying wow. to get it where we can get it to record. Well, we, so, we wish him the that's best. Where we're at with it. We we wish him the best. Yeah. And we hope that that material can um can come to come to uh to light someday. Obviously, um, agreed. Danny's a Danny's a special guitarist, man. Yeah, agreed. I agree with you. And did you guys play live with Cinerary a lot? We played so we played a party in Chicago on New Year's that was a disaster, and then we played the Ohio. Was that the Ohio Death Fest? Oh, what was the Ohio Death Fest? Because that, that's something I, I used to wish I could get to uh, back in the day. I never got to. Yeah, that was that was really that was a really good show for us. Even though we 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 fucked it up, actually, to be honest. Like the first song, we totally the, the, the train came off the tracks. The song was stopped, and when we played it again, last, and then made up for it. But anyway, uh, yeah. Other than that, it was yeah, it was so fun. It was it was really fun to play it. it yeah. I look back at those videos now very fondly because you know a lot of people captured that and to be able to see that because you know I you know never even I don't know what the hell I was doing back then so <laughs> so take me through the take me through the transition from Cinerary to uh, Liturgy and where 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 you actually meet John Engman oh so John yeah so John I met when we were doing the the Bloodletting tour I actually met John then but. As far as like being like where we became like personal friends and that that was obviously with liturgy and then Cinera it was just kinda like the next step for me to where Jamie and I had discussed, like doing, you know, obviously the Brodick and Sound, mixing it with Cinerary, and then that's when we came up with Liturgy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that was really appealing to me. They are unreal good at what they do and yeah, and, you know, obviously John and Mike and Jamie, I mean just God, I mean, phenomenal all the way around. So honored to be a part of you and something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. An amazing uh, album, the uh, Dawn of Ash from uh, 2004, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and I'll give you. So you're the only person I even talked about this. And you guys get it first. We actually have right now. We actually have six new liturgy songs right now. Awesome. I'm looking at them yes. right now, and I'm great. And I've got, and I've actually got vocals to three of them. So I'm halfway done with the six, and then we're going to do two or three more, obviously, for the full length. But you will have a new liturgy full length this year. Awesome. Damn. That's great. That's great news, and we appreciate you sharing that with uh, this podcast first. I know you're here yeah. first, folks. Yeah. I, I, oh, absolutely. First, first, I, first. Yeah, other than my wife, you guys are literally the only ones that know that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <man. laughs> All right, Heavy Hole Podcast exclusive right there. We're looking forward to that. Do you guys have a... Absolutely. Uh, are you signed on with a label, or, or am I prying too, too, too far now? No, no, absolutely not. No, so we're just going to do because Jamie and Mike own Unnatural Brutality, so that's okay. what we're going to release it with. The same as the old liturgy. Yeah. Yep. Okay, unmatched brutality, and just for the listeners, we're yes, we're we're very heavy in material that we talked about with um our with Paulo Paguntalan on our ping with Paulo episode that that's been very popular with people uh, talking about. That was a great episode, by the way. You guys killed that. That was fantastic. Well, shout Thank to you. shout to Paulo, and just for the listeners, also we're working on part two of that episode, but right now we're on part one of our Maddie Way episode, so we're gonna. 
uh, steer the conversation back to liturgy. I just wanted to ask: Did liturgy play live back in the day, like when the, during the first run? Um, no. So we only did. So I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with the the the, the commerce fest, the stuff, the commerce fest that we did, the the video that is online. It's readily available. So other than that show, we only played once live before that, and it was only it was a mix between a Brodican and a liturgy set. So I only did like four songs with them, and then I think I did a Brodican song too. Okay, awesome. Nice. And and yeah, just for, yeah, just for the listeners again, you can look up that liturgy live video at Fuck the Commerce uh, on on YouTube, um, readily available. Yeah, 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 yes, sir, exactly. And you guys come back in 2015. Liturgy? Yeah. Am I off? No, I would say we're no. I would say all this. All these songs are all brand new. So I would say what we're in twenty. Guys, it's so bad. It's how old. This is what happens, guys. Don't be as old as Maddie. Um, so, like last year, so literally twenty eighteen. Like no joke, twenty eighteen. That's it. Okay. Well, let me ask this. You guys are known as Liturgy AD now, right? No, no. That was a different. So that was a different project that John and I were doing. And it was different. It was a different style of music. It was uh, it was super doom metal. We were like it was it was a, a band from back in the day on the old relapse days from 1990 and 1991 from Australia uh, called Disembowelment. Yes, it was super yeah. disembowelment worship. Uh, we were it's even tuned lower than that. So if whoever knows huh. disembowelment and knows that like we were actually tuned way lower than that, which is hard to even believe, but. Yeah, so it was that kind of worship. It was a totally different kind of music. It was super slow, like crawl. It was crawl stuff. Okay, all right, awesome. So, so liturgy AD is a different beast, but still John Engman and Matty Way. And um, also, just for the listeners, there's another band uh, called Liturgy, more of like an artsy, I guess, kind of black metal type of thing or something that's popular nowadays. But we're obviously talking about a completely different uh, band with the same name, right? Yeah, is that, and I don't know anything about that other liturgy. Is that other liturgy popular? In in some circles, I'm not a big fan okay. of their work. Okay. Uh, and can just 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 to not break the professionalism of this interview, I'm not going to go further than that. But um, I prefer <laughs> your course. I prefer your liturgy, and I'll, I'm going to leave it there. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so the liturgy album Dawn of Ash comes out in 2004, and now I'm kind of straight up going off of like metal archives and a little bit of my own knowledge. But there, now we're getting into a very busy period for you, right? With a lot of different projects. Um, you would know better than me. Look at that. So just like if we want to run it off, we can All for right, sure well, do that. All right. So I got a list here. Let's talk uh, in, in okay. Infantophagia. So in Fantasia, that was the, I did two song a two song demo with them. Mm-hmm. We recorded that in Vermont, and I don't remember like the exact year, but I do know it was obviously late two thousand. Well, it came 2008? out two thousand and eight. Yes, you got it. Is that right? <laughs> you're correct, Matty Way. Okay. <laughs> you know your own shot. shot. Yeah. Man. And then, well, two thousand. Am I already getting Alzheimer's, guys? This is scary at this point. Like, what the hell is going on here? You know, you'll. I have sound to like the guy from like Popeye. Yeah. Well, just for anyone, for, this is for this episode is for anyone who tells me like, Will, you're in a lot of bands. I'm in three bands. All right, listen. That's how many bands right, right. Ways in. All right. All right. So, so, so let's talk about um, uh, hydrocephalic and the 2010 demo. Okay, so that was, I believe, the same thing. So that was. 
he did that like so he just came and recorded me at the like where i lived at that time yeah i don't even like that i don't remember it was just all like a. It was all like an hour, like we just did it in an hour and I recorded like, I, I, I think I did three songs in that, like, so yeah, in that, whatever, like whenever he came over. Wow. Should we do a lightning Is this a lightning round kind of thing? Should we yeah, just yeah, lightning yeah. round? Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Who wants to be a, yeah, who wants to be an anti-millionaire? Well, I wanna... I'm an anti-millionaire, so let me answer these. <laughs> yeah, who, wants to, who wants to go into debt playing death metal? <laughs> right, exactly. There we go. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, I look, I just I just have a few more before we get to the big ones that people know, okay? Um, but uh, what, what, okay. And what's up with Obscured Secretions 2010 demo? Okay, so that's that's obviously that's Diego and us. Yeah, nothing. I don't, you know, we recorded that because we were just doing different stuff because it was a uh, where the the disgorge and to violently vomit kind of whatever nonsense was going on. Mm -hmm. So that was just we were doing a different band with a different name. So to try not to piss anybody off, basically. <laughs> and to violently vomit is actually playing the New York Death Fest this year. Is that still on? Um, are they doing it? You know, I don't know. I haven't talked to Diego. So I haven't talked to Diego. So what, we're in April. So I haven't talked to Diego probably for two months. So I'm not sure. Okay. But um, so my whole point with asking you about all these projects, besides just busting your balls, is I'm just trying to lay out for the listeners how many projects you've been involved with. And also since um, since your run with Disgorge, you've kind of branched out. And you, you know, you said with Hydrocephalic, the guy just came to your house and, and you did a couple of songs in a few hours. Like, like you've really spread out. You've done guest vocals on like a dozen different bands, probably more, um, you know, and, and it seems like you're taking this road of like really spreading your name out so that like Maddie Way is the entity more than any one band. Is that fair to say? Uh, well, I didn't think of it like that, like a guttural prostitute. I honestly never <laughs> thought of it like that. But the, the my my buddies that always ask me, so let's just say, for example, we're talking about the people that ask me to do the guest vocals. It's like when they're my friends and I really believe in them, I don't want to say no. Yeah. So I always do it for them. Even though it's like, you know, whatever, you got too much, whatever. I, but I always just try to make time for it. And, you know, I do it. And it's. You know, because I, I know if I was them and I was asking, like, somebody that, you know, for example, for me, like, Bill Steer or Joe from Broken Hove or Frank Mullen, I would want them to be like, dude, yeah, I'll do it for you. Yeah, of course. So that's course. where I think about it and go, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for these guys. Like, I believe in them and I like they're my friends. And so I, I try to do what I can. I, 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 I And I do agree. I do spread myself too thin sometimes. But, but it's all, you know, it, it's all with the right intent, I guess. Okay, well, I, I wouldn't. You said you agree. I, I didn't say you spread yourself too thin. As a fan, I, I disagree oh, no, with that I sentiment. Did. I did. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I do. I didn't say you said no. I don't think that you guys think that. I just said, like, I, I agree with, like, I think that I do that sometimes to where I take on too much stuff, but it's, you know what, but all my friends, and yeah, and I, I, I do that for them. I just can't wait to hear the new guttural prostitute record. That's, that's, that would yeah, be a good a name. <laughs> yeah. That's a good You know name. what? Should we just like coin that name right now? We gotta like get the yeah, we gotta get the LLC for it, the whole deal. That, like, that'll be the heavy yeah. old Maddie Way uh, project. We'll we'll come to California we'll come right? to Arizona for an hour and you'll do everything in an hour, okay? Uh, yeah, by the time this comes No, out, no, no, but I want you you're gonna sing on it, we're gonna get all the fuck we're gonna get all the OGs and we're gonna like drop this stuff. I'm okay. into it. Okay. Okay. 
that'll be registered before this episode's published. So. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, so Tom's <laughs> already on his phone. Yeah, he's already, he's already on his laptop. Beautiful. Legal so, Zoom, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it, kids. You're a name. He already Done. screwed the rest of us somehow. I don't know. <laughs> we gotta get. A, we already gotta get lawyers. Okay. Um. So so steering back. So well. Anyway, the way I would put it is more. I liken it to how um like a a, a rapper spreads himself out amongst different producers and makes guest appearances on a lot of albums. So people who are a fan of you as a death metal vocalist can hear you in different contexts and can hear you um, with different types of bands and things like that and with different production styles. That's all I was getting at with that. Um, and, I, and I think it is... Oh, no, and yeah. I, yeah, no, I was I was just trying to be funny with it. Yeah. No, totally, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I know, and I, I totally get it, and I totally get it, and it's, yeah, and I, I, I actually 100% agree with you. Yeah, man, it's it's. Um, I think it's been it's been a great um, technique. But then, so now we're talking about uh, the the late two thousands. Pathology was around and released what like two albums before you joined. Is that is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Two albums before I joined. Yes, sir. Okay, and I know the the drummer is Dave uh, Astor, who, who was uh, formerly of Cattle Decapitation and the Locust, and then he he began Pathology. Yes, sir. So that's kind of like his uh, brainchild, or. Yeah, that's that's completely his band. Yes, sir. Okay, and like, so did you know him before joining in two thousand? And you joined in two thousand nine, right? I joined in. Yeah, that sounds about right. And, and no, I did not. So I, I I did not know until I received a message from them asking, yeah, about like to possibly do vocals. Yeah, I, I did not know who those who he was or whatever. So okay, so you, you recorded vocals on Age of Onset, right? I did. Yeah, that was my first one. Yes, sir. Did you write those lyrics? I did. Okay. Yeah. All the I think all the pathology I wrote, like literally every, it, obviously everything that I was on, I wrote. No. Okay. Um. Just all right. I, I'll get I'll get back to the lyrics a little bit later. So, what album did Age of Onset come out on? I mean, what? I'm sorry. What label? I got <laughs> I got to take another sip of my coffee here. What oh, label? Wait, um. <laughs> Man, I hope I'm not like being like retarded here, but I think it was comatose, right? I, I, I think. So, okay. I don't want to say something wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure anyway. We could we could cut it out if you're wrong. <laughs> I hope that's not wrong. Yeah, no. It's, but even if even if you can't, no. I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. Like I'm wrong all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's comatose. Though. Okay. Well, the only reason I'm a- I'm asking just for the clarification, the whole thing is I'm setting up. Yeah. To talk about Legacy of the Agents, which came out on Victory Records. Oh, right? gotcha. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that is when we signed to the big label. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah, totally. So, where was Pathology at with Age of Onset? Were you? Do you? Does it fair to say you guys had a healthy following and and you were? Um, were you playing live at that point or? Um. Yeah, we did just a couple shows, but yeah, as far as following, I thought it was like the, the Age of Onset. From what I remember, was really good reaction. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's but that's all I remember. I don't know if that was back in the. My, I think that was more. My, that was for sure more MySpace. Yeah. In Facebook, yeah. so I'm trying to Definitely think. MySpace yeah, so that's, that's how I found. Yeah, friends. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so oh. yeah, it was it was good though. Like it was like that was a really really sick. And I still have people writing to me this day about that album. Like well, literally. Great album, and I'm I'm say I'm asking this because it must have done well. For Victory Records, especially at that point in time, to sign more of a brutal, guttural death metal band, that struck me as unusual in that in that place and time. Is that fair to say? It's 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 definitely fair to say, and I don't even know how that even came about. To be honest, when they told us that hey, you're gonna do you know whatever like a uh, code injection, you're gonna do the video for that, or 
putting it on Headbangers Ball. I was, I mean, I was literally sitting there just, I mean, tears came wise. It's like, I've watched Headbangers Ball since like 1988. Like, and I mean, that's wow. Like, wow, what an honor. And to be and to be a, a guttural death metal band to be on Headbanger, like what? Like is this yeah. even real? Yeah, I, I was very surreal as a fan uh, watching it, and I was very proud and happy of the the brutal death metal scene. Um, but Victory Records, at that, I mean, I know from the 90s, I remember Victory Records being like the hardcore label. In the late 2000s, I think they were more sure. trying to branch out and experiment with different different uh, types of music and different scenes. And I guess... They were doing like the uh, Amur-style bands. Yeah, Amur, A Day to Remember. Oh, like, gotcha. Yeah, okay. They had been yeah, doing gotcha. the Burgundy, like their first that, couple that records. That was a little later on, but still pathology in that mix is still like... Very brutal. I remember, like, definitely being like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it works. Yeah, though. very really unusual. Works. They must have, you know. Yeah, it was very unusual, and obviously, whoever there, because you know, I mean, they obviously must have saw someone they could market it. So, because I do remember, you know, where you could see like weird, weird patch- pathology merchandise in like a uh, hot topic, for example. <laughs> yeah. I remember like seeing it going, like, what, like. There's a computer cover with pathologies going on. Like, what even is this? You're right. Like, at the mall. Right like, there next to San Rio. Yeah, like, for a guttural death metal band, this is not, like, yeah, this doesn't even seem right to me. So, being on Victory Records, did you guys um, end up playing, like, like showcases or getting grouped in on sh- on t- tour packages or shows with more hardcore bands or anything like that? Or bands that really weren't really your type of scene? No, 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 not mm-hmm. at all. No, okay. like for sure nothing like that. Like the tour stuff, no, they didn't have us doing any of that. I, I, I think that because it was so new to them, I just, I, I don't think they really knew how to handle it, to be honest. Okay. Like, where you know, all these labels that have been doing brutal music for 20 years, and you got somebody trying to cross over, and then you're touring a band, and it's not even just like, you know, whatever brutal music, it's like a guttural death metal band, and then you're going to try to put them with another style of music. I mean, be careful. Be careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I just just wanted to ask you a little bit about that because, um, you know, obviously, like we said, victory. That you know, it's kind of like a, a head turner to sign pathology, uh, and we were we were very happy that you got the bump, but still kind of like how you know how did that happen? And I guess victory records, like we said, they were just trying to experiment and see what else they could um they could get into, and you actually. Uh, on the the so so what I, well the reason also why I asked if you wrote the lyrics for Age of Onset because there's kind of a jump in the lyrical topics and the subject matter uh, to Legacy of the Ancients is that that's that's fair to say right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent, completely different realms of the yeah. of the spectrum. So completely different realms. If you're looking at it through glasses that see light, they are completely different <laughs> realms of light. Absolutely. Yeah, man, and I, I, you know, I spent some time with the lyrics. I, you know, I've kind of like perused them before, but in you know, in doing research for this interview, I really read them. Um, are you, or, or, or should I say, have you in the past uh, read up a lot and been fascinated by things of kind of like an esoteric nature and uh, con- you know, conspiracy type of nature, like uh, in in your youth growing up, or? No, for sure not in the youth, but it's, um, you know, as I've grown older, I mean, like, my wife and I have a library, and, uh, yeah, so I love to read, and, you know, being able to read, you know, especially books that are older that told the truth, that's, yeah, that's what I'm into, for sure. 
Yeah, I uh, I actually did a lot of research uh, about the. I, I'm hoping I'm pr pronouncing it right. The Greta Treaty or the Greta Treaty? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, that blew my mind, Maddie. That's um, that was pretty wild, man. Uh, you're. It actually kind of reminded me of some of the territory that we were talking about with Paul Riedel uh, from Blood Incantation. Lay the, um, uh, lay the treaty on there. Yeah, and I, I'm going to throw the idiot hand up here. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I didn't about. know about it myself. Maddie, could I ask you to maybe give just like a, a kind of a brief poor man summary of, of that treaty for my co-hosts? Or Well, it's, yeah, no, I mean, I can give you just kind of what was obviously released. So we're, we're not going to know like a whole lot about the truth, but you, you, you can decipher a lot of the truth from what you do know. So what we do know is this. It was... It was something that they... God, how do I say this? I don't want to, like, be... Let me think here for a second. It's a lot, and it, it has to do... I believe it was eyes and It is, right? and I'm trying to think because... And you know what, actually, I, like, like, so the reason I'm even thinking right now is because I was literally going to um, segue into a song um, from Pathology called Saturn Brotherhood. What people don't realize a lot, so if you just literally go to Google and type in Saturn Brotherhood, you will see the most... I mean, you're going to see some crazy stuff. Um, going to do it right now. Well, well, maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a good point, Maddie. Maybe instead of you trying okay. to explain it, maybe give um, people who are who are interested in looking into your lyrics uh, those of that particular album more like some some uh, uh, points of interest that they could they, they could check out like that. Yeah. So for you, agreed, agreed. So look up Saturn Brotherhood. Look up just look up. Um, oh man, the, the, the one from this. And that treaty... Uh, uh, Operation... Look, look up Operation Northhood, which is something yeah. from the 60s that happened with Cuba. I mean, there's there's a million things. There, there's a million things that we could go over. There's a million mm -hmm. rabbit holes to go down with this. But it's if you want to look up two brilliant ones, look, look, look up Operation Northhood and then that one. And you will literally be able to go, wow, and it's going to lead you to all kinds of different spots. And yeah, and then you'll... If if you choose to go down that 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 path that hole, then then you will. Yeah, this this G R E A D A treaty, uh, the Greta treaty. Yes. I, I assume it's pronounced. Yeah, that that yes. one, that wormhole yes. I went down blew my mind. And um, there's also references it's, to it's the unreal. Yeah, yeah, and there's references to the Nephilim uh, on your. Absol absolutely, there yeah. is. Absolutely, there is. Mm -hmm. So, well, what? Was there a discussion in Pathology? Like, guys, on this new album, I'm going to get into some really deep stuff. It's not really going to be the same topics. Or was like, was it a conscious decision? Like, you you wanted to write about this sort of thing? or Just for me. So, yeah, for the other guys, they never, Dave and Tim, they never said one word. They just, they literally gave me free reign on their own, you know, literally volition. It was, yeah, that's literally what it was. They just said, do what you do. And... I mean, we, we know what you talk about, you know, like you're passionate about it, so just do it. Like, and that's that's cool to be able to do that. Wow. Yeah, and um, later on, you actually wrote a concept album about Dante's Inferno, right? Which album was it? So that was the newest pathology. The, the brand new one, the self-titled. The self-titled. Okay, yeah, I was a little unsure. I didn't want to say. Okay. And, and yeah. I... Go go ahead, go ahead. If you could just elaborate on that a little bit and your connection with that. Oh book no, I was I was just gonna say because I've seen some flack and then I've seen both, you know, going back and forth with it. But it's the one album that I've done a couple, not a couple. Let me see. So there's one, two, there's maybe four or five parts where I've doubled up. It's not that I doubled the vocals. I actually tried to make it like there was two different singers, and then now it's been you know to where it's like layering and you're doing this and you're doing that as far as 
like vocally well no I don't ever do lyrics I sing all my stuff and but it's you know when when I, I guess my, my, my point was when you try to do something new it seems that there's a certain backlash from it like I mean maybe it's from the traditionalists and maybe it's warranted I don't know but like yeah anyway that's the one thing that I remember especially about the new CD there's always going to be a degree of skepticism like whenever people hear new stuff especially if it's organically made we, everything is so easy true, to, true. to process through a computer true. or just you know do right, layers right. on or you know even even drum right. stuff you know drums drums are the worst right you can debate. right right uh, so uh yeah you're gonna get those skeptics and they're not even haters, no you are you know yeah, you know. Yeah, right. But I guess if somebody like, and I guess this is, you know what, and maybe I'm like, and this is entirely possible, and it's probably true. But as as the person that is this, that like, so you're like probably too sensitive to it, and I'm sure that's the case. But when you do put in so much work and so much other things to do something, and then when you see like, you know, backlash, oh, it's not the same. It's dude, it's exactly the same. Like I don't punch in, I don't punch out. Like what I mean. What do you mean it's not the same? It's just two different things going. Well, wow. okay, you're you're a true MC. For for you to say that you don't punch in or punch out, that's like that's I give you a lot of credit for that. It's something I aspire to in a lot of my recordings. I can't say I never do it, but um, it's not an easy thing oh, no. to do. Yeah, and I and no, honestly, and I can't say I never do it because that's a lie. I do do it, mm. but it's very rare when I do it. I do. So, yeah, for example, yeah. have you guys heard the new organectomy track that I did? I, 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 have you, not, I have not. No, no. We're, we're all going to listen to it after you hang up the phone later. <laughs> oh, okay. So no, but it's, it's it's a minute's worth of vocals. Mm -hmm. One 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 take. Not even not even a retake. Like done. But then other discord stuff. Obviously, I have to stop. Like okay, nope, that's that's not right. And then I got to punch back in here. But I don't do. This is what I don't do. I guess that I'm trying to make the point. I I, I don't layer my vocals. I don't like sing like a. <laughs> Like, so when I'm singing, like, when I, when I do my vocals, those are live. And yeah. most of the time, like, I, I don't have a lot of time, like, honestly, with money and with the financial thing in this expensive studio to sit here for hours. I did the entire AP album in three hours. Mm -hmm. Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, man. Yes, Sick. yes. That's I a true it. MC. That's yeah. a true MC. I respect the shit out of that. I love it. Three hours. Yeah. Three hours I did AP. That, the, the Anomalies of Artificial mm -hmm. Origin. I was in the studio recording my vocals for three hours, and that's it. Hell yeah. And that's all I have. That is awesome. That's all I have. As, that's how you do it, folks. As a vocalist, I aspire to, to do that. And something I always say is, like, by the time I get to the studio to record it, I should be able to do it, like, off the top of my head. Like, I'm sitting there practicing for weeks on end because, I, it, it's like he said, it's expensive. Cheap. Exactly. That's the way yeah. I am, too. Like, I want to know it. Like, I literally listen to it on my way to, like, say, if I'm going to work somewhere mm -hmm. or just going to the gym or whatever the case is. I literally have my phone in my ears. I pound. That album, for example, I'm pounding the Las Vegas Death Fest set. Like I listen to it hypnotically, so it's not even a, it's not even a, it, like it, it's not even a reaction. It, it's muscle memory. Yes, yeah, that's that that's that's. Very you know what I'm important. saying? Like yeah, I, I, I guess exactly that's the best saying. way I can put it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's right. And you're dropping a lot of knowledge right now for maybe aspiring death metal singers too. I think. Um, in terms of technique and stuff, but uh, and also just what you were saying with the layered vocals. So, so just for the listeners, maybe to clarify, what you're saying is that you don't layer vocals and kind of stack the same part on top of one another to make it sound more brutal. You record two separate 
takes uh, as if there were two singers to the band doing like almost like a duet for lack of a better term yes sir 100% exact whereas the other they literally record one line and then they record another line so for example if you have one line that sings your first line let's say that you're singing 10 seconds and then your second line comes in at 7 seconds and then sings to 17 seconds well you've already overlapped by what 8 seconds right there so you're doing something that you're never going to do live mm -hmm. I, I don't do that uh, yeah, and and I think a good example maybe of this technique is, um, or may, I, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's not this technique, a different technique, but this new 2018 um, single by Abominable Putridity, Supreme Void, the vocals on that are ridiculous. ไม่เออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออเออ
But when you already know that you, not even that, saying that you know you have, but when you're not worried, let's say, about that sound, and you're just doing what you do when it's ebb and flow, I mean, there you go. Yeah. That's that instrument mentality behind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. See, there you go. And that's, that's exactly what it is. It's not about, I mean, you know, granted with the AP stuff, with that, with, you know, literally that lyric video. So I already knew that going in. And, you know, when you know you're doing a lyric video, you're singing. You have to sing every fucking word. But knowing that going in, I still said, fuck that noise. Like, I'm huh. still going to do, like, I'm still, there's still a portion that I'm going to do that's a straight instrument where it sounds like it's just like going to drop a hammer on your head. I don't care. Like, I, if, if, if I can, like, the, for me, I just want to be as close to the ground as I can be. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Uh, cheers. Cheers to that. And what you just said, too, about comparing the vocals to an instrument, uh, just getting back quickly to what I said before about you spreading yourself out with a lot of different um, entities, a lot of different bands, a lot of different pr- production techniques and things like that. It's almost the way a jazz musician makes albums with different backup bands uh, and records in different parts of the world with different people um, all the time playing the same instrument. You know what I mean? And and uh, like like featuring that instrument. I, th- I think there's a comparison there to make. Yes, sir. No, you're you're absolutely right. And so much of this, like. And to me, like so much of this is about the feel and the improv because sense of timing isn't something that you're taught. Sense of timing is something that you either have or that you don't have. So that's, that's, you, you, you don't teach that to somebody. You can't teach somebody to sing, let's say for like, 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 okay. So you can't teach somebody to sing like Michael Jackson. You can teach somebody to sing Michael Jackson, how he sings it on a record. And it's going to be whatever, but you can't teach somebody to sing like Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. There's like they a, either they either can groove; it's either in their blood or it's not. There's an Period. X factor there, you know. There's yeah, there's something extra. In my in my opinion, and how I approach it, there is like so the way I approach like this kind of music and this kind of stuff is uh, like it's literally as an instrument. It's it, it's about what can you what are you going to nod your head to. I want you to nod your head to what I do more than the drums or the guitars. <laughs> yes, in that pocket. Yes, yes, yes. And now, no, I want to be in that same. Like, I want to be the same fucking eight ball getting sunk on that same conversation. Like, I want somebody to go with. Your, I mean, that th- those drums. You know what? That that those were groovy drums. But my God, that that singer was like on point. Also, <laughs> I hope I can be in that conversation. I hope I can. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that, that's that's a great way to sum it up, man. And um, I just I just want to listen to your bands more now after hearing that and, and, and watch you play live, man. Uh, with that being said, I feel like that's a good segue to talk about this thought. With um, Pathology coming out on Victory Records and maybe that opening up um, Pathology and that style of death metal to more of like the hardcore and metalcore audience and just a, an all-around bigger, more commercial audience at that point, do you feel that that yeah. relates to the opening up of slam death metal and brutal deathcore after that? I don't know. I don't see that. I don't. Me personally, I don't see that at all. Okay. I think I, that was around long before. Yeah. No. Well, there was definitely deathcore and things like that, but I just yeah. feel like through uh, the last ten years or so, the guttural vocals, the blast beats, some of the downtuned guitars and riffing styles of death metal. 
Um, yeah, it, yeah. It was starting to creep in with metalcore and deathcore, but now it's to the point where some bands just kind of have the hardcore aesthetic, but they're a death metal band, and that's what makes them deathcore. It's a weird thing that we're in now, man. And I just, you know, with Pathology getting that Victory Records deal and kind of like the Headbangers Ball video and all that stuff, I'm just wondering if you guys were like uh, kind of a turning point for that scene. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, well, so so keep in mind, I don't have that kind of so I don't have that kind of self awareness. Of course, you guys yeah. would for sure know that way more than me. So, and if that's the case, that's like rad. We never thought about it. Like we just were thinking, like honestly, like we were like when Victory like was like, hey, we're signing you guys. Like this is crazy. We're gonna get you guys on doing this and that. And the, you know, we were just literally, you know, like kids. It was kind of like when you first get in to the scene again where we were like, you know, being wooed by this big label, and even though it yeah. didn't turn out to be the smarter right thing to do, and you know, minus 50 on both of the above, but yeah, but it was, it, it seemed like it at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, we talked about Legacy of the Ancients um, at length, and we kind of we kind of uh, veered uh, off topic, but I, I really appreciate this co uh, conversation we just had on vocals, man. I feel like we just got to some of the real meat of this conversation now. Uh, af after Legacy of the Ancients, um, you leave Pathology? So Legacy did... Um... I, I, I believe they had two albums without you, and then... Oh, yeah, Jonathan. And Jonathan, yeah, Jonathan, yeah. yeah no, you're absolutely right. John, yeah. uh, Jonathan, good friend, whatever. Yeah, they for sure did. So, yeah, I for sure did. It was more of a... And I don't know if this was for sure. There wasn't anything with, like, the humans or anything like that. It was just... I, I think it was just literally an honest thing to where I didn't want to do, like, that kind of music anymore. Not only that, I didn't want to... I didn't want to tour that kind of music anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so again... I think that was the biggest thing for me, anyway. Like, just just only speaking for me. Okay, so again, the touring and the commitment to touring was kind of an issue. That's very understandable and a, a common issue. You know, I get it. Um, yeah, and I've toured... You know, I mean, keep in mind, like, you know, being... You know, Jesus, I'm literally going to be 47 years old. I can't even, like, <laughs> fathom it. But I've, I've toured... You know, I, I've done so much stuff where I come home and I'm negative like, and I mean negative 2G's mm, yeah. negative 2G's here's negative 2G's here here's negative 800 here you know whatever the case is but it's yeah I've I've put in my years and I mean I mean you guys know and I've, I've tried as hard as I can but I can't tour when it's gonna be when I come home and then I'm in debt yeah, of course, of course. Um, I, I've been, <laughs> like, I can't do that. Like, of course. I can't do that. It gets, I, and it, it gets yeah. harder when you're getting older, too. Like, you know, yeah. you get it away does. with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, it kind of makes sense that I think in that time period when you're out of pathology, that's when you join Abominable Putridity, right? Yeah, so they had sent me, um, so they sent me four songs off that new album. You know, the, the Anomalies, the one that I sung on, obviously. And, uh, yeah, and I heard the four songs. I was like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Yeah, I will sing on this. <laughs> and just for the listener's benefit, if there's anyone that doesn't know, the rest of the members of Abominable Putridity um, at that point were all in Russia. They were they were from Russia, right? That's right. That's right. Moscow, yes, sir. And, uh, Absolutely. Okay. And is it still all uh, the same guys or all guys from Russia in the band today? And, and you? Yes, sir. Yes, all all the same. Like literally all the same since anomalies. Yep. Okay, and um, and that album is there was like an official remix edition that came out a few years after, or 
I believe, yes. yes I, and I believe that's the unique leader edition. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, that, so, that... No, I was just gonna. I was just gonna. I'm just trying to clarify, just for the listeners, because a lot of people check out new music and make purchases based on this. Yeah, I um, know, and I should. I should know this was. You know, I mean, you. You know, you did, you did it. You, literally you my have, job. <laughs> you should be worried about but, what the no, next but, project but I, is, man. <laughs> but I believe it was. Yeah, remix to a unique leader. I believe. Yeah. I believe okay. That's, that's why. Okay. 100 sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you guys. Um. I mean, obviously. It, it would it would be tough to play live, but didn't you guys play live uh, Las Vegas Death Fest? Was that it? Yes, sir. Uh, yep. what, what year? That uh, so was last year, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. That's right. I just wanted to get it right, man. Yes, sir. And, and that was yep. it. Was like you kind of used like session musicians, or? Yeah. So it was you know Jim from Disentombed that was that, that was in Disentombed. Yeah, it's uh-huh. all guys from different bands. Um, yeah, and we just played uh, because obviously people over here aren't going to get to see that CD played mm-hmm. live, like live in front of them. And especially, I'm not going to like say anything bad, but like the drums are going to be played live in <laughs> front of them. The vocals, the guitars are going to be played live in front of them. So that's, yeah, yeah anyway, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I wish I could have been there, man. I, there's been quite a few years. I wish I could have gone to that Las Vegas Death Fest, but uh, there's always like, a, you know, my all my vacation time from work goes into my bands and a lot of my money. You know how that, how right, that kind of goes. Absolutely. So I end absolutely. Up, as a fan, I end up missing certain things so that I can uh, enjoy things as an artist sometimes. You know, I'll just put it that way. But, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, and see, you're like, look, look at what you're giving up right there. Yeah, I, I, I gave up the chance to see uh, abominable, abominable putridity, man. But um, and just and just all the other amazing, like, so many amazing bands that were there. Yeah, there was, you yeah. know, just all these amazing bands that you would have gotten seen if you, yeah, right. So what what was I mean? Uh, you want to talk about a little bit more about the Las Vegas Death Fest and and uh, what that experience was like? Or yeah, what are some other highlights? Like um, amazing bands. Like I, I I've seen the lineup. What were you into? You know, what were you there for? Um, I wasn't there for anybody because John Carpenter's not there. But um, <laughs> uh, let me see. Like so, yeah. I mean, the, the the show was like I mean like insane, and everybody is the people. Like this is what I want to say. Like honestly. The people in this scene, this is what makes this scene special, is the people are so close-knit and they're such good people. Like, that's what makes this special. And that's what I appreciate, is all these people that have been in the scene for this many years and that are listening, that care and all that. Because without, like, you guys, this, this shit ain't, this, this ain't even anything, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, agreed uh, just just on the point that it's a community I always say you know on the podcast and in private to people this is a community and that's a big part of it to right. me is, is the network of people right. involved in it and something we were just talking about before we started recording tonight is how there's anywhere in the world there's like death metal you know what I mean man and there's like that's there's, right. there's people right. from all different um, you know politics all, dif- all different uh, you know religious backgrounds ethnicities like you know go to there's there's places in Far East Asia there's places in South America every part of the United States go anywhere there's somebody listening to Cannibal Corpse or something you know what I mean it's it's, it's right. wild it's yeah. right. it brings people together and I hope like if if, if, if if we can take like in my opinion if we can take one thing away from all of this is that no matter who is walking in to a record store please everyone remember that they're walking in and looking in the metal section <laughs> yeah. we're all yeah. 
we're all the same, man. Like, honestly, like, I don't yeah. care what sub or whatever. Like, honestly, please remember that everybody that walks into the store that supports all the scene, that, like, these people that we all attack, you know, please remember, like, these guys are all walking and buying from metal. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what matters. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what kind of metal, right? I mean, honestly, does it doesn't even matter. But to me, it don't. That's what the podcast is all about. Uh, you know, we, we specialize right? in, in underground death metal, but we try to we try right? to touch on everything and not you know exclude anything, man. Even, you know, even if it's something we don't know about, we want to learn about it and share that experience with the listeners. If man. it's heavy, it's in the hole. That's how we. Yeah. <laughs> That's the rule. Honestly, and this is and this is literally the most knowledgeable interview I've ever been a part of. By the way, so I appreciate kudos, that. Kudos to you guys too. Like. Honestly, I mean, that's the God's honest truth. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, man, but you're not going to trick me. It's not over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, no, 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 absolutely not. No, we're all good. We got, yeah. We're we all good. Warmer, I'm, I'm, yeah. All right. Yeah. We, we are, yeah, we are, um, we are, we, we are going to be respectful of your time. I don't want to take too much of your time tonight. I just have a few more questions I did want to get through, though. Um, all good, brother. I'm here for you guys, man. Whatever you guys need. Awesome, man. So while we're talking about uh, this, the Anomalies of Artificial Origin uh, album that you did with okay. Abominable Putridity, um, we yep. talked already kind of at length about your lyrics and um, how there's there's some stuff that's even hard to describe what it's about. People can do their own research if they want to have a deeper meaning to your lyrics. One song in particular I just wanted to talk about briefly was Wormhole Inversion okay. uh, from that okay. album. Yeah, I mean, um, the listeners can, can, can look up the lyrics to Wormhole Inversion from that album and, and check them out for themselves. <laughs> right. Uh, what, maybe a good place to start, like, what is some, some place you, you, you read about some of the concepts, or is, is there, like, a book or a source that maybe people could, could consult to understand a little bit more about what you're talking about? And is it Deep Space right, Nine? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, 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 that's amazing. Yeah, there for sure is. So we're like this, this is basically we're getting into the black hole concept, and we have finally been able to extrapolate like just recently now. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the picture, the very first picture from a black hole, blah blah blah. But anyway, the wormhole version is the same concept to where light light travels at two hundred and twenty six thousand miles per hour, so it cannot escape. So anyway, it's it, it's about that. That's what it's about. It cannot escape where it's at. Okay. Um, and and does this does it have something to do with a concept of life and death and an afterlife? Not um, for for sure it does. For sure it does. And on that note, so like uh, literally on the, the the life and death and the afterlife stuff. No matter what, darkness is always there waiting. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay. my quote. That's this, this is somebody that's way smarter than me. Talked about a long time ago. But no matter what, no matter how fast light travels to somewhere, which is apparently the two hundred twenty-six thousand miles per hour, um, darkness is always there waiting for it. Hmm. You can run, but you can't hide. Wow, <laughs> a lot to think about. It's just, uh, it's just, uh, it, it's just food for thoughts. Where you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. because we can't like, and this is where I go with it. Well, my my like you know like retarded obsessive brain goes. I can't under like why do we go? Why do we default to something that we don't understand, and then accept it for what we do understand? Hmm. So because we accept light travels a certain speed, but why can't darkness be measured? Well, to me that doesn't mean darkness can't be measured. It means that we can't measure it. 
we don't have the capability to measure how fast it is. But it's always there waiting when the light is not on. Yeah. There's a lot to read into that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of scared now. I wish I didn't ask that question. No. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Like, it's I'm like, joking. yeah, I'm I apologize. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking, man. <laughs> All right. Well, um, again, I mean, we could do a whole podcast kind of, I think, on your on your lyrics, but I'm just going to leave it there, at least for, for this interview, and encourage the listeners, um, maybe with your vocal style, I'm sure there's people that have purchased your albums and still haven't read the lyrics yet. I mean, there's, you know, that that's common in death metal. There's some people that don't care about lyrics. So I would encourage... So true. Yeah, I'd encourage the listeners to just get into your lyrics, particularly um, the, the lyrics, in my opinion, to uh, The Anomalies of Artificial Origin by Abominable Putridity. And also agree hundred percent. Yeah, and also the lyrics to um, the Pathology album. The uh, uh, I'm looking through my notes. Here. Legacy of the Ancients. There's so many albums here. Agreed. Agreed. hundred percent. And I know that you know you're talking. Agreed. hundred percent. Yep. About the Nephilim. It's literally what it's about. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Of, a lot of places to go with that. You. You and I could have a whole yes, conversation sir. about this sort of thing. We could. Um, uh, but maybe. And we will if, if, if you choose to do that. Like. Like. We. we I, I will always be available if you guys want to do something later on. So we're all good, man. All right. I, I okay. super appreciate you guys. All right. Much appreciated. I really do. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, we, we appreciate you too. calling in. This, yeah, is, this is great. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I would talk all night if I could load more up on our RSS feed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, all right. So you, you, you go back to Pathology. Then they put out the two albums, and then you go back and you record Lords of uh, Rafame, if that's how you pronounce it? Yeah, Lords of Rafame. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Okay. And, um, I mean, was that just the, the guy John left and they needed a singer, so you come back in? What was the story with that? Um, yeah, I get, yeah, that's, yeah, that's literally pretty much what it was. Yeah, Dave just said, hey, he's, yeah, he's done, like, you want to do this new stuff? And he had sent me probably, you know, I would assume, I, and I, I'm not quoting myself at all, but I would say probably three songs at least, and, you know, said, hey, and, you know, Tim's writing all the stuff then, and, like, that's what was important to me. Tim is a, you know, brilliant writer. Okay, yeah, and then and then quickly um, in 2014, the very next year, Throne of Rain comes out, right? Yes, sir. So, yes, so, sir. so you guys were just hustling like breakneck speed writing, huh? Yeah, we already had like so. Yeah, like that already was like kind of a you know, I don't want to say like leftover is like being bad because what's funny is we all default like when we say leftover, our our minds always default to something bad. But anyway, that's not the case here. But, no, but yeah, right. that was the leftover. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, well, so, so just keep writing and and uh, you know over time and you put together yeah, an album yeah. and you realize you have all this other exactly. material that is awesome. So why not do something with it? And you make a song like, let's just say, for example, and you guys all know how it is, like, you make some rad song in one night, and you're like, oh, fuck, we just made this whole song. Well, we normally don't write a song in a month. Well, it doesn't matter. We wrote a rad one in one night. Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It matters the content, the content, the creation, the, 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 the you know, the mindset is there. That's what matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and... um. So. Yeah, it sounds like maybe it could have been like a double album, but you just saved some of the material and spaced it out a year or so, you know? So it's, you know, that's fine. Uh, absolutely. At this point, like, like for sure, like, it, you know, with the pathology stuff, it really was that. We wrote so much stuff that, yeah, and that's what we did. We just, like, kind of picked it apart and, you know, mm -hmm. chose whatever. 
Okay, and and um, I had asked this before, but we kind of segued into uh, a, a very valuable talk about vocals that I appreciated. But just quickly, for the self-titled Pathology album, what's your connection to the book Dante's Inferno? Um, have, did, did you read that growing up, or like have you read that multiple times? Yeah, I've read it multiple times. Didn't read it ever growing up. Read, read it since an adult multiple times, and it's just something that 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 I see as a journey from somebody's life that will. It's putting into context, so to speak, their their current to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's where that's that's where I go with it. And anything other than that, I'm not going to say because. I'm not a religious person, so I'm mm. not, you know, I mean, in all honesty, I don't, yeah, I'm just, I'm not religious, so. Okay. Well, it's, it's fantastic imagery all the way through, and, uh. It is. It's yeah. brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's fair use. Fair use. Old book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, and there's, and there's, there's, there's something to the power of it, like the, the words that you, when you can create what he created with these words and the story, like, there's, there's, there's a power to this that cannot be denied yeah and if you think about how many people uh essentially were mind controlled by that book at the time it came out you know <laughs> agree exactly like exactly. There's, a, there's a force absolutely yeah yeah literally literally like the, it was the force like to where that like it ruled their lives yeah mm-hmm. agreed yeah it really scared the shit out of a lot of people and um <laughs> it sure did yeah it, yeah, it sure lives, did you know <laughs> yeah um and <laughs> that's all true and so this, this this album was based on Dante's Inferno is there any other book that has like profoundly influenced any of your other lyrics or other albums that maybe we wouldn't know about um what well, was the writings of, so there's there's a song that I did on Age of Onset that's the writings of the Zodiac Killer so I would say that's the most other case that I've been into for whatever reason I'm like literally obsessed with that that case, the the, the the California Zodiac Killer, and uh, yeah, so that's who I've literally like tagged along with me for the most part. And that was was that going on while you were a kid in California? Um, no, no, it didn't. No, that didn't. No, that didn't come till wow, like that probably didn't come till two thousand and ten. Oh no, so I, I way mean- later in life. Yeah, way later in life. But then learning. On top of that, like, oh wow, this is a local case. So then you become kind of, you know, you know how it is. You become more invested because it's local. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. actually. I think my equivalent of that would be the Ricky Casso uh, "Say You Love Satan" murder. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with that. Yes, I am absolutely familiar with that. I absolutely am. Yes, that that's yes. about a ten minute drive from where we we're sitting right now. And um, yeah, I. Oh my god! Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That's I, incredible. I could, you guys should go to do some B roll there or something. <laughs> hey, man, I'm all for come, it, man. You ever want to come uh, <laughs> shoot, shoot some film stuff out here? And you want you want to record something? I'll put you up. I got you. I, uh, but regardless, there's a there's a, a recent book. Um, that came out about the Say You Love Satan murders and Ricky Castle, and this guy grew up in Northport, which is that town uh, around that time, and it features a lot of right. interviews with people who were teenagers and people who were in the town, and if you look on YouTube, right. there's trailers for upcoming documentary, uh, I think by the same people, they actually interview one of the cops who arrested Ricky Castle and things like that so there's uh-huh. some some new information and I think a book that's maybe not, not as sensationalistic as some of the stuff that came out in the 80s and 90s uh, that's out now, so with information about that, you know but um that's brilliant you know what the bottom line is is like that's brilliant it, it, it's the truth which 
that's what all that we want to know. Nobody doesn't want to know something that's the truth. We all just strive, like, huh. literally, for the truth. And if that is the truth, that's so amazing. That's all we want. That's all we care about. Yeah, yeah, the truth. And I think there's that, that kind of also relates to maybe some of your lyrics uh, that were of kind of like more of um, uh, an unusual, uh, uh, obscure nature that we were talking about before, you know. Um, right. You know, people, there's just that search for the truth. You know, not not to be cliche, but like that X Files quote: "The truth is out there." Right? You know. So. Yeah. Uh, no. No. It's, no. It, 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 it for sure is, and yeah, it's you know you can only do it. You know, you can only do what you do. People are going to either agree or disagree. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, absolutely. And um. So, so now I, I, I do want to try to wind down. Like I said, we're going to be respectful of your time, and you've, you've already agreed we got you uh, clinched for for another episode down down the line. Um, so for sure you do. Yeah. I, I will do anything you guys ever. Now, awesome, man. We appreciate it, man. And I just wanted, uh, you know, we always ask you to recommend some, uh, a few things for the listeners, but quickly before we do that, I just wanted to talk about From the North Films, uh, which is, is that, is that, is that you and your wife or is it a whole production team? What What's the... Yeah, so it, it, it is me and my wife and it is a definitely a production team. Yeah, for sure. So it's all the above. Okay. For sure. Okay, and you actually, yeah, sure. uh, some, you composed the scores for these films, uh, some of them with John Eggman? I do. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We actually have a new one coming out now that will, it's about suicide, and it's going to blow people's minds. Okay. I watched the uh, the Dark Web ones. You had uh, two of those up, and uh, I couldn't... Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, like, the, right, yeah, like, right, yes, sir. I, I yeah. uh... I got a uh, a bunch of of David Lynch, old school like shorts, like the shorts that he did. Right. That feeling, and then right. I, and then I got a little bit <laughs> right. of Federico Fellini in there, like just a just a so, whiff. So you're yeah, you you and I are talking on the same deal now. Like well, yeah, we're, we're we're good here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean they were they were creepy, man. I watched them by myself. I, I was expecting the lights to start flickering, my shoelaces to be untied. And uh, I felt it, so uh, they're, they're cool, man. They're, they're very dark, so keep that keep that going. That's very. I appreciate. That's very metal, in uh, a format that does not get a, a, enough metal attention in a way, mm -hmm. without being overtly, uh, you know, in your face about it. Yeah, no, agreed. And it's a super avant, and like so, the one that we have now, it's like we're actually shooting this one for Amazon. Uh, so I'm shooting a short film for Amazon about suicide and. It's way, way, I mean, the, the, the gut punch is so gnarly, but, you know, if you stick around, you know, like it's, you know, hopefully people will get it, and if they don't, they don't, but, yeah, it, it's there, you know, it's there, it's, it's, it's if they absorb it. Wow. So when when do you start making films? Uh, when do, when does that become a I'm actually making, like, so I, I'm always doing films, so, like, that's my, that's my passion and all that, and then my job is now with Unique Leader because, you know, Eric, when Eric, like, and this is what I want to say too, and, I, and I'm sorry, guys, like, I'm, I'm going to be emotional with this, but Eric, like the last year and a half, Eric was my best friend. Mm -hmm. And we played this video game on PS4 every night, like, anyway. But, um, yeah, so, like, it's, I have a huge, like, responsibility coming up with Unique Leader to, you know, continue his vision and, like, I hope that's, you know, something that, that, that people can take away from it. It's, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's important. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know, we just want to extend our condolences to you um, as someone who is a, a close personal friend of Eric's. 
Um, obviously, that affected uh, you know everyone in some way. De- you know, Deeds of Flesh was very important to a, a lot of death metal fans. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing. I'm, I'm kind of glad that you brought it up because that that's one question I did want to ask you. Uh, I remember yes, the, the promotional video. You were working on a project called Submerged, Submerged. with Eric before he passed away, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And yes, sir. I mean, was is there any is there anything of that that's that was recorded or that's going to come out or is that I don't you know. Um, nothing. Nothing. So we have nothing with obviously Eric. Eric and I were writing stuff and we're going to continue to. So I have the musicians that were already in place before everything happened and all that. Yeah. So like all that is going to come out. Like we're actually going to do. And you know, granted, it's not going to be the same because. Eric and I only wrote a part of it, but we're going to continue in the same vein and continue to, you know, hopefully do what, you know, he, like, literally wants us or approves us to do. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. Yeah. That, no, that's that's awesome. I mean, um, you know, what a, what a great tribute to your friend who, um, you know, made made a life for himself with death metal, you know, to, to continue that, uh, you know, that vision. Um, yeah, he was... Eric was my best friend, like, so, like, and this is the thing a lot of people, like, so this is another thing exclusive to you guys, like, you know, other than my wife, Eric and I played, like, a D&D video game every night on the computer five nights a week for the last year and a half he was alive, so, you know, we reconnected, you know, so keep in mind, like, you know, I, you know, we were, you know, whatever, like, we were, and then we reconnected for a year and a half, and yeah, it was it was it was an amazing thing, and for have him to take it away, it's just yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure. Um, and so I mean, you you mentioned that you are uh, working with Unique Leader right now. Do you want to? Um, I don't know if you want to talk about just for for the listeners or anything like what responsibilities you may have taken, or or even just like what people can expect coming up from Unique Leader. <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely will, and you guys are going to get, like, this is the other exclusive two on this, so I don't, never obviously spoken about this, but, so, Unique Leader, yeah, for sure, Jamie, it's Jamie Graham, that's the owner, and he's one of my best friends in the world, he's, like, he's like Eric, he's an amazing human being, he has visions that, that I, I don't have, like, I can't see bands and visions that they see, but anyway, these guys do. But anyway, Jamie, Jamie, my, my, my new boss and all that, like we are, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to continue Eric's vision to where, like I knew exactly what Eric wanted. And Eric talked to me every night that we played our game on the PS4. So yeah, that's going to be, you know, that's where we're going with it. Okay. All right. Well, it's it's very reassuring as a fan um, to know that uh, the unique leader name and vision is um, uh, safely in the hands of people who were very close to Eric and understood what he wanted from it. You know, that's I think all the all the fans can at least rest assured that uh, you know it, it's going to be respectful to his legacy. It is, and I hope that you guys and I know you're a part of that legacy, and I and I so appreciate you and you guys were so amazing when you were here and it's, yeah I, I really hope that everybody can see and feel this because this is what it's about it's not about any of us obviously it's about Eric and like what, what he saw and everybody way before everybody else saw it and yeah that's just you know that's what we want to like convey hopefully and I hope that comes across yeah yeah um fair enough man and uh, you know again uh, rest in peace to Eric Lindmark and, uh, and his legacy um, and maybe there uh, at, at this point, 
Uh, you know, we talked at great length about your history in the death metal scene, um, and now we just talked about kind of like what, what some of your new responsibilities are and how things have changed for you recently. Um, maybe maybe uh, we could just leave it there and pick it up again for, for like a part two, but before we get into asking you to recommend uh, a newer release and an older release for the listeners, is there just anything you want to plug or anything you want to say? Um, no, just, you know, honestly, just, you know what, everybody treat, you know, instead of everybody waiting to talk, like, maybe, maybe, maybe listen. So instead of waiting to talk, please listen to people that need to be listened to. That's it. That's all I have to say. Wow. wow. That's uh, great advice. Words of wisdom. Very wise. Well said, bud. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to practice listening right now. I'm kind of, kind of going to put you on the spot and ask you to recommend those albums. <laughs> Which albums are we talking about? Well, though? no, I just want you to recommend a newer release, something um, from the last year or two, or just something that's fairly new, uh, and something that's older, that's oh, something okay. from back in the day. Um, just two two things for the listeners to check out that maybe uh, don't so, get talked about a lot. So both, but, but both that are out. Yeah, just uh, yeah, just stuff for people okay. to check up and okay. look up and say, Matty Way said this was cool, so okay. I'm gonna check it out. Okay, so I'm gonna say so new. Oh, hold on. who am I going to say with this? Because, wow, there's too many people. Okay, so I'm going to, you know, obviously, you know, like VD, like my boys, Mr. Discord, you know, I love mm-hmm. these guys. And as far as newer, they're, you know, they are, they, they have the, they have a formula that I, I don't think a lot of people understand. And they're like really, really good. So I would say check that out. And if, and if you want to check out the, the true, the true, and I mean the true OG slam guttural disgusting you're gonna listen to embryonic death wow he just took you back to long island wow yeah wow no it's, that's, that's your that's so, so hold on you know exactly what i'm talking about oh yeah embryonic de- uh embryonic death what was the demo um with the dead baby on the cover oh my god that's exactly yeah, that yeah, is yeah. exactly <laughs> what i'm talking about yeah well, i gotta, I gotta and, and i mean Yes, yes. Uh, I actually got in trouble in high school for like photoshopping that demo cover. <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's just like the most graphic dead baby picture. It's yeah. the sickest. That's the sickest demo though. And when he's, it's so gross. Like nobody, nobody sang like that then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody. This guy. This guy was. What he was an was innovator. That? Like I, I honestly believe that. Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, well, I'm trying to look it up. There was Embryonic Death from um, uh, Luxembourg, apparently, man. But yeah, there was that first demo that they put out um, that was fucking amazing, man. It was it was just old school Long Island death metal. It wasn't really like... You know what I'm talking about with the baby? The baby was looking, if you looked at the cover, the baby was looking to his right-hand side. Yeah. I know, you know exactly what <laughs> I'm talking so about. It was so disturbing. Yeah. yeah, man, Embryonic so Death. So good. Yeah, really guttural, sick death metal, man. Not so much like with the no New York... No one did guttural like that. Like, yeah, the, like the rhythmic quality was more that like stomping kind of groove, man. It wasn't like the hardcore variety, man. Embryonic Death for like fans no. of uh, Afterbirth or any of those old school Long Island bands, man. Embryonic Death, uh, you know, they, they they had a CD out on Pathos Productions a few years ago, a collection CD. And can we, can, can I try at least please just for one second plug Mythic? Can I, Mythic. can I literally give, can I give hails to women that absolutely brought out one of the lowest most disgusting things this genre has ever heard yes morning in the fucking winter solstice I mean literally 
Good, good night, everybody else. Yeah, thanks for coming. <laughs> Miss thanks it. for coming. Go, you know, go fuck yourself. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's all good. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. The uh, by the Have way, you guys heard Mythic? No, no, no. We're gonna we're we're gonna go check it out now because everything we oh, everything my. we don't know we uh, we beat ourselves over the head while listening to it later. You know. Yeah. So I, this is 1991. So Mythic cool. is 1991. Relapse Records, Seven Inch Majesty. Does doesn't it have like a cover of like a hot vampire or something like that? No, it's just uh, it's just there's a cover of this, the Winter Solstice. It's just the cover of like this. It's this tomb and it's all white. It's all winter and blah blah blah. But this is just I, I just you have to keep in mind. This is three girls that absolutely drop it lower than everybody's business that's ever been before. I, I've I've seen girls drop it lower than everyone's business. No, okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm fantasizing about vampires that were not on the album cover. <laughs> He's talking about girls dropping it low, and I'm thinking weird thoughts, man. It's getting late here, man. My coffee's. I got you. I'm sorry. Listen, I, I, I apologize. It's not a hip hop podcast. It's a metal podcast. No, but um, but with all due respect, uh, Mythic, uh, 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 f- you know, all female death metal band from way back in the day, man, when that was very uncommon, man. Uh, I'm definitely gonna revisit it. I feel like I've checked it out once or twice but didn't appreciate it man and just for the record where we were talking before about the embryonic death regurgitate the dead demo that's it that, mm-hmm. there you go sir thank you for bringing that oh that's it i'm glad that yes I, what year did that come out uh that was 1992 yeah yeah 1992 when you listen to this and homeboy's voice it yeah. is yeah. no there ain't nobody doing Vocals like this in '92, but homeboy, nobody, absolutely, nobody. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, a few years later, Afterbirth, and then a few years after that, Reputilation. I, I really feel like um, that that style of guttural vocals is is from Long Island, man. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm a little biased, <laughs> but I don't know, you know. No, I know you are, but if but if cranial apparently didn't exist, that for sure wouldn't exist either. But yeah, either way, <laughs> Fair either enough, way, man. it's all good. But what? yeah, but if that didn't exist, for sure, I know what you're saying though. It's for sure. I don't know, man. So, something, but well, we we could all just chalk it up to we'll we'll give it to Bill Steer and we'll just take it completely out of the United States. Right? Okay? Oh my God! Like the fucking. <laughs> Grandmasters of the day, yeah. yeah I man. love you guys, man. Thank you for so much for having me. No, uh, th- thank you, Maddie. We really appreciate your time, and of course, we're going to be um, in touch to, to to book you for the um the second part, man. And uh, of course, I, I, of I, course, I, I will be anytime. I already asked you, um, you know, if there's anything you want to plug or anything, but if you just want to say peace to the listeners or anything like that, too, man. There's a lot of people listening that really enjoy your work. No, the, the only thing that I want to say is literally to you guys I am not anything without you guys I love you and respect you because without you nothing thank you right back at you brother uh, great talking to you Maddie. we'll be in touch thanks brother Maddie. Awesome. love you guys thank you man so much have a good night man respect brother okay take, take care guys take night, night. peace man
That was an awesome little talk we had with Maddie. What a gentleman. Yeah, I, I look forward to part two. Learned a lot about Maddie and um, the, the history of some of his bands. He had a lot of insight and um, just some of the things the guy said. Real wise guy. They're, they're, For sure. Not, not like he's a wise guy, but like a wise no, space guy. No wax. Sense. True yeah. professional, though. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, innovator. Tr- true professional, true innovator, someone who looks at that things a little bit differently and uh, someone with a lot of wisdom that you could garner if you listen to what he has to say. Yeah, Matty Wait, true Renaissance man, true gentleman. Mm-hmm. Check out his uh, From the North uh, Films uh, film production company. They have a YouTube channel, From the North Films, um, and uh, keep your eye out for uh, whatever this guy's going to be singing on next, huh? Yeah, yeah really. could be everything. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, Not one yeah. at all. All right, so thanks again for listening to Heavy Hole Podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us all on the social medias. We got Heavy Hole Pod on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we also got a Gmail, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. And we got a phone number that I remember to look up this time. Hey, Tom, what's the phone number? It's 631-837-3274. Hold on, let me get a pen. What's the phone number again? <laughs> 631-837-3274. Yeah. Heavy, 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 heavy. heavy. Yeah, and if, uh, and if uh, we like what you have to say, you might hear yourself on a podcast. Who knows? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh-huh. So that's the Heavy Hole Podcast. Matty Way, uh, what a gentleman. I'm, uh, I don't have, you know, I, I, well, what else can you say, man? I'm at a loss for words right now. Great, great interview. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Thanks, amigos. Thanks. Peace.